Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Corey Rosen, and you are listening to the Story Podcast. Today, I have on a super awesome guest, Miss Ani May. Ani May is a small town singer songwriter. She grew up writing short stories and poems that quickly transform into songwriting. Ani has always held a place in her heart for writing because it is the one place where she can be her most vulnerable. She says, I feel safe to share my feelings and emotions without consequence. It's kind of like magic. You can find Ani May and all of her projects on Spotify or Instagram linked in the description below or above if you're watching Facebook. <laughs> Ani, how are you doing today? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So you mentioned in your bio that you, you've always kind of been writing short stories and poems, but where when did like when did that writing bug or music bug really bite you? Yeah, so um yeah, I always grew up writing short stories, like English class was like my favorite class in creative writing. Um, and I quickly got into poetry then. And then, um, this is just a silly moment, but I remember I was watching one of the Twilight films and in the end credits is this song Decode by Paramore. And I remember I just sat there and listened to the song and then I looked it up immediately on the internet and I just listened and listened and listened, um, and read the lyrics and I was like, I want to write music that makes other people feel like this. Um, and I was probably like 11 or 12 years old at the time. And the songs that I wrote back then <laughs> will probably never resurface. Um, but yeah, that was kind of like the moment that I knew, like, wow, I really want to pursue music and actually sing and share my music with other people. So how did you as an 11-year-old go about, about, go about about that? You know, I really, I just wrote a lot. Um I didn't really play any instruments. I had taken piano lessons when I was young, but I didn't keep up with it. Mm. And so there was a piano at my grandmother's house. Um, but really, I just I would just write. And that's kind of also how the poetry came about is because here I was with these lyrics, and I was like, I can't put music to this because I don't really know how to play any instruments. And then my lyrics kind of turned into poems um, until years later when I finally did get back on the keys. So what was it like for you to write uh, poems or your sources of inspiration? Was it anything particular? Was it just anything under the sun? Yeah, so um, poetry was a form of, uh, it was kind of therapeutic for me. Mm. I felt um, always kind of anxious to share what I was feeling growing up. And so that was, you know, my way of sharing it with myself. And so a lot of the inspiration just pulled from what was happening in my life just growing up um and yeah I'm a very emotional person probably the most emotional person in my family my immediate family and so oftentimes I think I just felt kind of misunderstood um and that was a lot of the draw from my poetry and then just you know all the misfortunes as a teenager that we go through right of course (laughs) (laughs) So when did you finally feel confident in your, or well, when did you finally pick up the piano at that point? So 11, you started writing, but you didn't pick mm-hmm. up the piano until later. Not till later. Um, I want to say it was like 2018 or 19. My aunt and uncle, they went and they just like bought an electric piano for me, which was, you know, that's like just a huge blessing in my life. And looking back, really obviously like, really jump-started my writing process because there I am writing music and lyrics. Um, They did that, and then there was a family member um, and kind of like a distant relative that uh, I started taking piano lessons with. And so here I am with these weekly piano lessons. You know, I'm just kind of writing music. Um, At this point, I was still, you know, just attending community college, not really sure what I wanted to pursue because I knew I wanted to do music but I also knew I wanted to eat dinner at night and so <laughs> I you know was kind of looking the musicians you know <laughs> paradox, the dilemma, right? Yeah. right yeah and so um it was maybe like a year later I found that um Millersville had a music program and in their program you have to take two semesters of keys and so that's what really I had my like private lessons but then jump starting that they, those were more intensive and theory based so Right, so you, you went to Millersville, and, and how did that go for you? It was good. It was a really good experience. Um, it was definitely hard. Um, their program, regardless if you're studying music ed, 
mm. you know, audio um, or even like a performance major or business. I studied the business side of things. Um, they really, really highlight on being just a well-rounded person in music. And so, you know, I had to take lessons, you know, how to run a live soundboard or how to mix some basic genres of music on like a surface level knowledge. Um, I took two pian- or two semesters of piano. I took three semesters of theory. Um, and then obviously my business classes, which was my actual major. Um, but yeah, it was hard because to go from like your brain being completely fried from doing music theory from eight in the morning until, you know, 930 to then stepping into your music business class, learning about, you know, all the laws and things. It all was the definitely, other mind-melting yes, things about music. Exactly. <laughs> it was definitely a lot and you had to like compartmentalize all your knowledge as to not get overwhelmed. And um, it was interesting. When I came in, they were just in the process of um, transitioning the program and splitting out more uh, focuses for studies because originally it was just music business technology like just this blanket thing and then they split it up and even now it's even more split because I think they realized that the students it was a little overwhelming to be doing everything <laughs> and so right. you know you have a split focus now which is great so what are some of the things you learned about music business that you have really helped you yeah so I learned the whole process of um putting out my own music independently. Um, I really didn't think there was too much to it. Um, Before the specific class that I took that helped me, I had released a single, my first single called Take Care, and I really just released it. And, you know, the producer that I worked with released it through DistroKid, and I did absolutely Mm. nothing else (laughs) with it. Um, And then I was in my class, and I was learning about, you know, royalties and copyright and all these things that I really needed to sign up for if I was ever going to get credit or any type of, you know, income from my music. And so that was something and probably one of the most helpful things um, because ultimately I do, you know, want to record and write and perform for a living. And so that was one of the most helpful things I learned at Millersville was to really how to release my music, um, how to register it with the copyright office, things like that, so that everything's in place and nothing gets stolen. <laughs> so... Yeah, right. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't if doesn't DistroKid take a lot, lot of that money from you, or is it? So um, there are percentages on there, and the re- only reason I use DistroKid is because the producer that I work with uses it. But mm. I'm in the process of exploring some other distribution because um, right now I'm under their distribution, and then I'll I'll have my own independent. Um, it'll be under me, so we'll see. I'm honestly not even really sure so <laughs> all i know is that this kid if, if you're a beginner in music it's probably the best way to go if you want to get because your it's music just so published. E- yes it's so, so easy, it's so easy yeah. and it's really not it's so self-explanatory um and so and that was the goal at the time was i just wanted my music out there i wanted to be able to say you can stream me on spotify you can stream me on deezer you know so and at that point if you're on spotify and apple you're not making any money off yeah. your music anyway right i know it's really just for your music to be heard and Spotify and Apple are like the biggest streaming platforms anyway. So absolutely. And if yeah. you want to make real money, it's where you get to talking about doing your own copyright, getting out mm-hmm. to movies or commercials or stuff like that. So is right. that kind of where you want to go into or? Um, I, yeah. So I have an interest in, um, like I would love to write a song for like a TV show or mm. a movie, you know? Um, I think that that's such a neat challenge because that's not just like, what do I want to write today? It's like, here's this whole, you know, piece of art that someone crafted, wrote, spent, you know, however long on, and they're like, write a song for this. And that, like, that would be, that's awesome. That's something that I really want to explore. It's a challenge. It is a challenge. And it it helps, it helps create a flow for it to be a challenge. For sure. Mm -hmm. So how many... I, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're also working on an album right now, is it? So I'm working on an EP. EP, yeah. Um, and it's definitely, it's very low-key, not something that I'm really like, I mean, I'm happy to share it, but it's not something I'm really like pushing pushing right now, Um, just because I am in early stages. Um, Mostly everything's written, but I'm still figuring out like who I want to work with producer-wise, what musicians I want on EP and so 
it's a planning process right now. So tell me a little bit about that, because I know you do all sorts of genres, and you mix a little bit of genres everywhere. You do a little bit of funk, a little bit of uh, jazz, R&B, et cetera, et cetera. What yeah. is that planning process for this EP? Yeah, so the EP, um, well, first let me touch on this. So I generally, um, I'm a singer-songwriter, and the music I write, you know, whether it's on piano, now guitar, I'm learning guitar, Um, I really try to keep it in its original form and then just add to it from there. Um, I'm a very, like, real instruments type of person. But um, as you can see, like, on my music that's out, I've definitely explored some other genres with some other artists, which is always fun. Uh, But for this EP, it definitely will, you know, sound more like at 23 and take care, very singer-songwriter, and then addition of instruments as it goes. Um, And so... That's what the UP is going to sound like, which I'm really excited for. I'm definitely more of like more prone to write sad music than anything <laughs> else. A little slower, kind of like under 100 BPM most of the time. So <laughs> so tell me a little bit about uh, Take Care, which was one of the first ones that you released. Yes, yes. Uh, it was my first single. Tell me a little bit about it. Yeah. So um, that song has an interesting story that is easier to tell now because it dates back to like 2018. So forever ago, basically. Um, The song is basically about, I was in my first relationship and they had cheated on me. And I remember I was out with my friends and I found something out and I was like out on this porch and I was on the phone with my friend and I was like, I'm so upset about this. And she was like, I'm so sorry, but you should really write down like what you're saying to me because they're great song lyrics. So I like took out my phone and was just like typing them in my notes. Um, And at this point, I was really just getting started on the piano. Right. So I wasn't it wasn't so immediate to me that if I had some lyrics, I could just start playing some chord progressions and play around. And so I remember I sent them to a friend at the time and was like, these are the lyrics I came up with, whatever. And so she sent me a video back and she was and I had a melody too and she was singing in my song but had added some chords um and I was like wow like I really really love this um and so I remember I spent the rest of the summer just really um kind of figuring out how I wanted the song to go finishing the song because all the lyrics weren't written at that point and then I had went into the studio with this guy. His name's Jay Fritz Schaefer. He's a producer from Reading, Pennsylvania. Um, and he works out of his studio called Pagoda City. And I had known him because at the time I was working on managing a friend's album. And so I reached out to him and said, would you want to, you know, just go into the studio, see what we can do with the song. And I remember originally we did. And then... Um, it kind of took like a little break because the song wasn't really where I wanted it to be music wise. I wanted some elements in there that just were missing. And I definitely didn't want to just release a song for the sake of releasing a song, which I'm sure you know how that is. But it's so hard to sit on a song, you know, because you're so excited. But I'm so glad that I did um, because the way that the song turned out was just really, really beautiful. And I... I'm just so proud of that song, and it's so, um, it's just therapeutic to listen to, because I listen to it now, and I can listen to it, and I attach, like, those good memories of recording my first single and putting out my first song, and all of the (laughs) negative associated (laughs) memories are kind of gone from that, and so, yeah, I I really like that song of mine. So let's take a listen to it. We have lined up. This is Anime's Take Care. system program to only call you when I'm at 
take care of my anime and so that was your first release what what are some of the things that you learned a lot about during this because it took a while it's a whole two years yeah, for you to get it out it was a process what were some of the things that you really learned about yourself as a musician yourself as a producer i guess on, on this and then right. yourself as a business woman yeah so um for myself i think i learned that i when i'm writing a song i need and have on inspiration, the song needs to be finished within like three days or I'm not finishing the song. Like that's just uh, the <laughs> rule of thumb for me. I wish it wasn't true, but... Like lyric-wise? or Lyric-wise. Okay. I always start with lyrics. Um, and I just like, I'll be inspired and I'll write a chorus or maybe mm. something that's a verse or just a section of a song, right? And then it's like two days later, I'm like over it and I'm fine, but then like I don't find my way back to the song. And that's kind of what happened with Take Care, um, the, I think it was maybe like verse one or some, one of the verses came like really organically to me. Mm. And then um, I kind of walked away from it. And when I went to finish it, it was like, I had to like put myself back in that like emotional space that I was in. And it was hard, mm. you know, and I don't like, nobody likes to go through something, get over it. And then like, Go back it's into weird, it. yeah, yeah, like to even do, like that's such a weird thing to do that obviously like a lot of musicians and songwriters and anybody with any art form that draws from their own personal experiences does, um, but I'd rather not. So <laughs> I need to, when I write a song, I need to write it and finish it. So that was one thing I learned um, and that I use now. Like I really do try, if I am writing a song, to stay in that space as long as I can so that I can get to the end and then start to get over it if it was something you know like upsetting um as a producer I learned that I I just work so well with people and mm. I love working with all different kinds of people I love showing someone something like a musician something and asking you know their opinion on it like what they hear I I love that I um I was nervous that, you know, because it's like your song, your music, I was nervous that when I went in, I'd be like, I don't want to hear anybody's opinion. Like, I just want to do what I want to do. And I learned that, like, I'm the complete opposite. Like, I'm like, oh, like, do you hear a piano part here? Like, do you hear other keys here? Like, I love to hear other people's opinions. And as long as it's an open conversation and we're open to knowing these are all ideas, let's be sensitive to those, but also ultimately, like, respect the fact that, you know, 
this is my song. Maybe I won't like that. Um, mm-hmm. And that's been my experience. And that's it's been really awesome. Like I love I love working with people. It's honestly probably the most exciting part to me of writing the song. Like I write it by myself, you know, the foundation of the song. But then when we really get to like the bits and pieces and the nitty gritty, I love having the other musicians that I'm working with or I've only um, worked with Jay so far as a producer, having his opinion too. So Sweet. So, and you've released a few others since then. So I released Take Care and then I released at 23. And those are like my two singles that I've released. Mm. Anything else, um, there's like two or three other songs on there are basically just features um, with other artists that I worked with. So Well, we'll get to the features in a second, but I want to hear about at 23. Yeah, so... Um, At 23 was a song that when I drew inspiration from it, I wrote it really quickly. Like that song was written, um, I think I started on in the evening and finished it the next day. Um, Lyrics all the way through. And it was the kind of thing where, I don't know if you're familiar with um, Taylor Swift's All Too Well 10 minute version, but it's a song where it's like she had written so many verses that she had to cut it down to like, three-minute song, right? Well, that was kind of my experience with that 23. Um, And so basically back in uh, 2021, I just had some health issues come up that were kind of scary. And for a while, the doctors thought that everything was pointing to cancer, but they couldn't get an answer. That rhymed weirdly. Um, And... It was scary, you know, because you never know with that. Some illnesses like that are, yeah, terminal, you know, so you don't know. And so, but I felt because I didn't have a diagnosis, I felt kind of like silly being like, oh, I'm so scared. Like, what if I'm going to die? I don't know. And so when I wrote this song, it was kind of like, this is everything I'm feeling right now. And I'm really scared. Um, But I'm just every day trying to get through this. Um, And... Luckily, that was maybe like a year, year and a half long process. Um, I It turned out not to be cancer, which, thank God, I'm really thankful. Um, and since then, I've been able to just receive uh, proper treatment and figuring out, you know, my health. And it's still a journey that I'm on, but it's a lot less scary and it's a lot less intensive. Um, it was hard. It was like my senior year of college. I was in and out of surgeries, and it was Not to mention it was the scary, whole thing that happened. But, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so the thing that shall not be named, yeah, that right. was just like, it was a lot. Um, but at 23, it's just, that song just means everything to me. And what was really cool is I chose to release that song on the day of, it was one of the surgeries where they would actually find out if, you know, there was some type of cancer or something in my body. And so I released that, and then that way, when I woke up from surgery, regardless of what they found, at least I would wake up and I'd be like, I released a song, like a song is out, you know? And luckily it was, yes, and it was a (laughs) win-win because there was no cancer, and I released a song. (laughs) And so it was great, and I got um, just an overwhelming uh, amount of support from just family and friends because the song was so personal, so... Well, let's check it out. This is At 23 by Ani Mae. Yeah. These
Animes at twenty three, so you you talked a little bit about uh, featuring on other on other people's stuff. What was that like for you? How did you how did you even find that opportunity? And what was that like? Yeah, so um, my first feature was with a musician named Hunter McNally, and we recorded our song called Space, which is out everywhere. Um, and that was a very interesting experience because we met like the beginning of the year of 2020. And then we decided, we were talking about writing a song together uh, the end of February 2020. And as you know, like two weeks later, whole world shuts down, no one can see anyone. And so here we are with like this written song, but we have no way to be together to record it. And also like this, at this point, this is my second semester at Millersville. I, I have like a USB microphone, like no interface. Like I don't have anything to record anything. And so- In um, the beginning and you're broke. Yes, <laughs> yes, all right. Like I'm like, and it's not like I could go to a studio anyway. Right. And so I remember me and Hunter, we would FaceTime and we would, you know, uh, talk through the music of the song, how we wanted it to be. And then the plan originally was- because we thought this would be over in two weeks, turned into two years, um, to just wait it out and then record it together because he had equipment that we could do or like record it at school or whatever because there's a studio there. But then it obviously wasn't like that. Two weeks turned into a month to six months to whatever. And so, um, but before we maybe waited like two weeks and I remember Hunter was like, listen, like if you just have um, a mic, at that point I had logic because I needed it for school, and can just record. He's like, I'll send you some instrumental to sing to or whatever. Um, but if you can just record these vocal parts for me, um, it's okay. Like, you know, we can mix it and we'll make it sound good. Because I was like, I don't have the equipment. Right. I don't know how to do this, you know. And so I did that. And I recorded it at home. And I figured out how to separate the stems from the <laughs> uh, project and sent them to him. And... Um, yeah, that's, that's how we made the song It's just virtually. And that was like my first ever, um, presence 
on the internet of my name being out there attached to a song was this feature I did with Hunter. Um, and yeah, so that was a really cool experience for me. So where did the second one come out of? Um, so that was with, uh, my friend, his name is Brady Spangler, but his artist name is Birds. It's B-Y-R-D-S. And I, he makes a lot of like electronic pop music and I love, I love pop music so much. Um, and, but I didn't, I didn't write pop music. It wasn't the kind of music where like I was like going to release, I don't know, maybe one day, but at the time release like a pop project, you know? Um, but I remember him asking me if I wanted to do a song with him. And I remember being like, I don't really make music like that. Like, I don't think so. Um, and then he asked me again, (laughs) because Brady is persistent. And, uh, so we, where he was living at the time, he had had just like a studio set up. And so I remember I went over there and that was really different for me because that was like sitting in a room with the artist and writing the lyrics. How it was with Space, um, that was a song of two people back and forth about a relationship, so I wrote my parts, you know, like I didn't, there was no like writing it with, you know, Hunter. And uh, so that was an experience for me, and I quickly, 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 quickly realized that trying to write a song or lyrics with someone is just so intimate and yes. intimidating and that took like a couple sessions for us to get those lyrics because I just remember the first one or two it was so hard for me to like open up or throw out a lyric idea and like the idea of it being shot down is so like oh like um but you quickly get over that <laughs> and so right, of course. yeah that's what happened there and it was neat because a lot of the basis of that song it was like just some held out piano chords which worked so well for me like that's the best thing for me to write to it would have been hard if it was like a beat or something I just I just can't so um we wrote everything then Brady built the rest of the song produced the rest of the song and then I came back to record the vocals for that um um and that song's called Rewind and I did another feature with him and Kiana Corley who lives in LA now pursuing music that's what I say I just had her mother on the other day Maria no Mar- way Mar- yeah. yeah 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 that's really neat yeah she's a singer too and um, Kiana's super talented, but they had this song together called Drive Through. Um, and they wanted like another feature. And so um I just kind of helped like put some of the lyrics together of the the verse that I'm on, and then I just recorded that vocal part, and then that came out on one of um Brady's EPs. So So is that something you want to go down the route of more of collaboration and stuff like that? Or yes, yeah, yeah absolutely. I I love collaborating now. Now that I got over the hump or the hunch of like being scared to write with people, now I like I can't wait. You know, and um, uh, there's a couple people um, that I've been talking with that are some local musicians about collaborating with that I'm very I'm very excited to. No, to no delve into drops? that journey. Um, not yet, just okay, because nothing say, is yeah, final. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so, because I, I was gonna say I, I might know a few. Yeah, no, you would absolutely know. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> um, so also you want to, so while you're doing the collaborations, you also kind of want to pursue artist management. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what you went to college for a little bit. Yes, yeah. So when I started at Millersville, um, I was pretty dedicated to the idea of managing artists. That was my focus. There's obviously so many jobs in the industry that makes it run. Mm. Um, But to me, that was like the dream, to manage artists and then pursue music on the side. And I remember um, I was taking this music business class, and I learned really quickly that contractually – it's a huge conflict of, conflict of interest to be an artist manager, but then also be an artist yourself. Um, because there's something in a lot of like contracts when you manage artists. Um, and it's basically about like, you'll do everything in your power to make sure that they get the opportunities that they need. And it's like this good faith clause, right? And so um, it's the idea that say that there's an artist that I was managing. I didn't really know them. We develop the relationship through us working together. 
um, and I was also pursuing my own music on the side, there could be the opportunity for them to view me pursuing music on the side and taking opportunities for myself as me taking away opportunities that were fit for them. Yeah. And it makes sense. It really does. But um, my dreams of being an artist manager were really like crushed at that point. And I really spent, I learned so much in school, don't get me wrong, but I really spent so much time just um, exploring the other jobs in the industry and things I would want to do. But nothing ever quite landed like artist management did. Um, There was at a time an artist that I managed for a while. I managed two projects for them. It was their debut album and then an EP. Um, And I loved, I loved the whole process of that. Um, But ever since then, I hadn't really done anything with it. And so um, I do have some friends in a band that, you know, things are kind of picking up and it's a lot of work. And so um, nothing super final yet, but I'm hoping that that's an opportunity where I can explore you know, managing a band or an artist because I already have a relationship with them, mm-hmm. they know that I wouldn't be slimy and take the opportunities from them. So, so what is it like to manage a project or, or an album? I don't, I've never heard that kind of side of the business before. Mm-hmm. So, what what all goes in, into and in, uh, what all goes into that? Yeah. So, um, a lot of it is really just taking any any. So, for the artist, obviously, they're recording an album that's like an emotionally draining, physically draining, draining in every way type of process can be at times. And so just to take anything that has to do with the process of recording the album and taking that on yourself so that they can just like come to the studio, sing, play, and leave, right? And so um, even when we were in the studio, it even came down to like if there was, you know, we were listening to a take of something, and it was like, you know, you get like listeners ear and everything sounds the same. If it was just me and even like the artist would step out and it's like, okay, like I'll come into, you know, the studio with the producer and we'll listen to this. Um, I don't, it's hard to explain because it's so um, specific to the artist and depending on the level, which obviously I was just doing it independently. It's not it's something where I was getting paid or something. It was just something that I was trying to do for experience um, or even just you know, getting pictures in the studio for promo or looking up venues for them to perform at or uh, finding musicians to come and play on their projects for the part that they wrote. Just different things like that that are a lot of the work that goes into making an album that could kind of alleviate pressure for them. I remember one thing we did was they wanted a choir on their one song. And so we, and it was like my first year at Millersville and I was in choir. (laughs) And so... I got a ton of my choir people together and we got a date set and it was like the last Saturday before everybody went home for break. And so it was like very vital, you know, and we all gathered and it was me, um, the artist, the producer and another uh, producer working on the project. And we, you know, drove down to Millersville. They let us use the dance studio and we just recorded their, you know, choir part right there. Um, took everything back and it was a really beautiful really beautiful project and uh but even just down to like coordinating that you know and buying all the singers donuts you know like that was just my job and I loved every part of it because just to be instrumental in anything that has to do with music when you're in love with music is rewarding you know so I always love using that pun yeah I did not even think about it that way, but <laughs> I always saying that because it's always it's always funny. To yeah, me. and I'm a man of puns. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you're you're kind of looking into the future. The world has opened up again. Uh, you're getting a lot of opportunities from a lot of places. You're working at uh, Mickey's Black Box. What mm-hmm. has that been like? Uh, a lot of cool people come through there. Yeah, so it's really cool there. I really just had reached out to them um, at the end of last summer. I had been interning at Telus 360. And um, I was looking, you know, for somewhere to work in music. And they just had some part-time positions open, which, I, you know, you know, with music, it doesn't matter what part you're working in, you're going to meet people, you're going to advance. And so it was just like this box office ticket selling position. So I took that in like September of last year, right? And then um, as I started working there more, it was like, hey, are you interested in, you know, 
drafting some posts for our social media or learning how to input dates on the back end of our website or like, here, Ani, like, why don't you take over the phone calls? And through that, I just got to meet, obviously, a lot of musicians coming in there, which is great, a lot of local connections, but also a lot of industry professionals because, um, you know, Mickey's Black Box is on the campus of Rock Liditz, Rock Liditz. which, you know, houses, you know, Tate, Claire Brothers, Atomic, just all these different um <laughs> companies like, that are so important like the in the industry avengers of the sound industry yes i always call it like um the ultimate shopping mall for artists because you know they come and plan their tour there and get all their equipment and whatever it's and so, incredible yeah it's just this big and it's crazy that it, like the operations are only started like seven eight years ago like <laughs> and it's still kind of a secret <laughs> <laughs> no it really is people don't realize you know when ariana grande is at whole foods in lancaster she's that's why or when <laughs> justin bieber came to, wa- yeah. to waffle house in pennsylvania <laughs> right. it's because they're there i know yeah so but it's been great. It's been a great experience there. Every the whole team there is, you know, really awesome. Um, yeah, I haven't been there for about a month. Um, I had taken, and it's a part time job, but I had taken off for about a month just due to some family circumstances. But I'll be back there soon, and I'm excited. I met some really, really cool people there. So that's great. So outside of all of this, musically, you're you're like you said, you're kind of ramping up production on an EP. Yes. What are some of the things that you have yet to do that you want to do within your industry or your craft? Um, I think that something that I'll always want to do is just, um, I mentioned earlier that I, I took piano lessons when I was young and I wish that's something that I kept with mm. um, because, you know, as a singer, that, like, when I can't accompany myself, it makes it hard to just perform solo i have to like rely on other people and your music gets better when your proficiency at it right gets exactly better. and so that's something that i will just i am pursuing and continue to pursue um just learning piano and then i just took up um guitar about a month ago and so that's been really helpful but also helps my writing process so much like the more i learn um because I can tell you, like, in the beginning, it was, like, all my songs were in the same key. Like, it was very... Same chords. Yeah. Same rhythm. Very repetitive. Yep. Um, and you get really bored of that really quickly. But it's really nice to be in such a, um environment. Like, Lancaster City just has this very close-knit but also spread-apart music community. And there are just people that are so talented that just inspire me to be a better musician, better performer, better vocalist, pianist, because, you know, so. And they're all accessible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like very mm. much so. Uh, which yeah. is surprising even me as a, as a person who was, it was kind of like a nobody in this area. I, not to say that I'm a nobody now. Yeah. I was going to say, everybody knows you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm a transplant. I'm not even from here. Uh, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I've only been in the music scene for a, a year or so. Okay. And you wouldn't know that. For- I wouldn't because the reason I even started, like, knew who you were is because I started coming to Open, Open Mic. Mic. Yeah, last year. And, and that's how I'm I playing met. with everybody. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, well, I mean, that's I'm not, that's a another point for artists who want to get out is to play with anybody and everybody you can. I'm a pianist. Granted, I'm, I don't market myself as... Like James Clipple, he's a pianist. Yeah, right. I'm not. A, I'm not a James Clipple. <laughs> <laughs> I am also not a James Clipple. Right, right. I, I was kind of like you in the sense of like I know I, if you hand me a chord sheet, I can play that right very well. Um, if you look at me in a solo, good luck. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But um, but play around and and you know everybody's. You know, going out to open mics, especially the one that tell us where a lot of yes. artists come out. Mm-hmm. A lot of different artists come out. A lot of different artists come out, but also because it's right down the street from like a major hotel, there's always people that you're just meeting there. There's always a great act mm-hmm. that's just from out of state hopping in and tell yeah. us yeah. for the open mic. Yeah. And it's incredible to me. And uh and these local people will have you like sit on their sets if, if they if if you know, if they want. And, but it's always open. Yeah, it is. So that's the one. That's I mean, that's how I got imbued into the system. And then I went around, found out other open mics, found out more people, and then I was like, hmm, maybe I should start something about this, and I did. Yeah, for sure. And now you wouldn't know that I was, you know, just a a, a lonely, uh, introverted. 
for a musician who didn't know <laughs> didn't know what what to do with his life. And I yeah, I that's just crazy. I had no. I really thought you like were just here all along. No, I, no, I I this podcast has only been officially uh, been around for a year. Okay, so yeah, that's awesome though. Because look at the growth. I know. I'm so excited <laughs> for it. Uh, but back to you. Some of the questions I like to ask all my guests. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you are a Christian. Yes. Yeah. Where do you find yourself most in tune with God? Um, um, honestly, just, I guess, like, in my prayer life, when I'm praying to God, you know, I, and it's really easy for me to pray when I'm, like, outdoors mm. in God's creation. I have a couple places near me that um, I literally can just, like, park my car and then walk 10 feet, and I'm just under a tree, like, viewing a huge marsh. The sky's right there. Um, rock. <laughs> it's um it's actually blue marsh i'm like not yeah i don't live in the lancaster area oh. i live closer like up to redding area i see yeah and so um but yeah when i'm like in nature that sounds really silly but it's true, I mean, it's true. I mean, <laughs> like i mean if you're gonna go anywhere that's really beautiful it's gotta be nature because yeah mm-hmm. going in a city unless it's cherry blossom season right yeah yeah so, what are some of the, um, you've performed a lot. Mm-hmm. What are what are some of the worst things, maybe, or funniest things that's ever oh. happened to you on stage? Um, I don't know that I've had any recallable experiences that are like, like me myself. Mm. But one thing that a lot of people don't realize because it doesn't exist anymore is I was. Um, in a band for a time. Um, I was in a band called Embassy Drive, and it was, you know, Millersville kids that already had a band, but then they had asked me to, to join as a vocalist. And I don't know. I mean, something crazy that happened with us is that we had booked a show. It was, like, their our first show, and they had never played either um, in Brooklyn, New York. And But then the same... Um, Span of days, like the next day, we had also booked a session, a recording session with Lisa Ball, if you're familiar, you know, recording the original vinyls, everybody gets their own right. copy. And so that was like the most chaotic, like 48 hours of my love, our lives, like, you know, going to Brooklyn, playing this show, staying in our Airbnb, then going to, you know, Lisa Ball and play, you know, how it works as people can purchase a certain song and we had four songs available and what ended up happening is people purchased um basically the our song weather like 28 times over and so you really are in there for hours just playing your song over and over again to print for these copies for vinyl um and it just was like it was right around christmas time and it was just this really like magical 48 hours and um i think that was another moment in my like music life that just reaffirmed like wow like I just I really want to do this you know because it was it was incredible I remember getting home and being like what am I doing <laughs> my day? like I was just running around New York City um, and so yeah nothing like funny or whatever but that was like one of the most crazy but awesome experiences I've had you know just musician wise I was about to say, a lot of the times, some of the worst things are also some of the best things, absolutely, because right, yeah. I'm sure afterwards you were you were dead. And you oh, were yeah, like, I lost my voice. I'm never doing this yeah. ever again. Mm-hmm. But also, if you called me to do it again next week, I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> Literally, I'm there. Yeah, and the same thing happened. So we had done that uh, close to Christmas time, maybe like November-ish. Um, and then I went in February, and I can never get the years right, but I went in February. It's probably last February to then do my own least of all session, like an anime session. And Silly Me was out at um, a Taylor Swift night, like the night before, yelling all the lyrics. And normally, like I'm a talkative, loud person. I don't like lose my voice, you know. I lost my voice. And so I was, you know, uh, nursing my voice back to health and within the next, you know, 12, 14 hours to go then, you know, sing my song over and over again Which for hours. Which is impossible to yes. nurse your voice that way. But, I mean, I just got, I got through it. I think that the takes were decent. Obviously, that's, that's that was a learning experience. But then we recorded, which was great. And then I remember 
the week after that was the Black Excellence Ball at Millersville, and I was singing an Aretha Franklin song, challenging. <laughs> and yeah, right. Um, so we drove right back to Lancaster and walked right into a rehearsal for that. And I was like, again, like I am so exhausted and so tired. But if we had to do this tomorrow, like I would welcome it with open <laughs> arms. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah. So that kind of covers a few questions. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> um. What are some of the mistakes that you've seen other artists make, musicians, and coming from a business perspective, what are some of the mistakes that you've seen musicians make and how can we curb that? Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest one goes back to, um, or the biggest one that I've kind of seen is artists releasing music. It's, um, I think we, we write a song, we produce it, we record it, and we're in love with it. And we're just so excited that we want other people to hear it which is great. I've obviously been there. But then I think that um, this algorithm of marketing and this suggested time period of marketing your song before it actually comes out that is actually, you know, uh, useful, successful and useful never comes into play. It's like this song out May 19th, Friday, and it's like May 14th. And it's like, there's been no time to There's get any no traction, no you know, hype. any hype. And of course, you know, you're like core listeners, family, friends, uh, supporting musicians are out there listening to your song, sharing your song, of course. Um, but if you gave it that, you know, four to six week period where, you know, you know, Spotify for Artists has like a built in um, process where you can, you know, submit it for like for playlisting, whatever. Um, yeah. Like yep. You know, reached out to a couple local like radio stations this kind of thing it would be great to go on before the release of anything you know um i think that would just be so helpful in reaching audiences that don't even know you you know um and it but i know it's hard like i'm i am the same way it's so hard for me to sit on anything but well and also it's also hard from the because there's there's two types of musicians there's the musicians that just want to play music don't know anything about business. And then there's mm. the musicians that are all business and not a lot of music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Right? So it, it's it's absolutely knowing your craft, knowing what goes into the industry, knowing how to get the most out of the industry as possible, especially with algorithms that you can really manipulate to your advantage. Right, yeah, for sure. And that's the thing. And, like, they're made for that, you know? And mm. honestly, if you look into it, like, they really tell you step by step how to utilize them properly. And obviously it's a gamble. There's something like something crazy, this number in the thousands of songs that are uploaded to Spotify every day. You know what Absolutely, I mean? Like yeah. it's not obviously there is a ton of music out there. It is one of the best times and the worst times to release music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, but also even just knowing yourself as a musician, like even when like for me, like I, you know, I I'm a singer. I write every day. You know, I am trying to um, get better at the instruments that I play, but I'm also just like a 26 year old girl that, you know, needs to make my car payments. So like I work a full time job and a part time job. And obviously we all have our family and friends and, you know, lives outside of everything. And so for me, it's like music sometimes isn't at the forefront like I want it to be. Okay. Um, but it's a balance, you know? And speaking on sitting on things, have you seen Wicked? I haven't seen it, but you I know it? I like the music. <sighs> That's my favorite musical of all time. Yeah. Uh, Wicked, he... Uh, oh, I just literally forgot the name. But the composer for that sat on that for seven years. Oh, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And it shows. Mm -hmm. It really does. It really does. It, the music is incredible. Yeah. One, of my, one of my favorite all-time composers outside of Elton John. Uh, he sat on that for seven years. And I want to just encourage people, don't be afraid to sit on stuff. Because I yeah. know you, you're right, artists hate to do that. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, you, sometimes that song needs a little bit of sitting on, a little bit of warming up. Right. But to go along with that, so obviously we have the grandiose world of TikTok, right? Of course. And so something that I even get frustrated with as a listener is when a song is sat on for a while, but like a portion of the song is promoted mm. for like a month and a half. That's like a trend right now is where really? you'll, yeah, you'll make little videos, little clips, maybe like 15 to 20 seconds 
of just that part of the song. And you love that part because it's so catchy and you can't wait to hear the full song, right? But this goes on for like a month and a half. You don't get to hear the full song. But and what ends up happening, I mean, I'll just say it from, from my perspective. For me, I hear that section so much that I almost like envision what the rest of the song's like. And then when it finally comes out, almost every time I'm disappointed. Or I'm also or I'm just like sick of the song at that point. And it's like, how do you find that happy medium? And obviously you don't because everybody's different and this right, is all course. subjective. <laughs> but um, <laughs> just kind of finding the balance between like, okay, you've been teasing this song for two months. Like, I think it's time to release. Yeah, there are a few people on TikTok that I really like the approach of because they they make a skit out of it. Have you seen, ever seen those kind of yep. kind of TikToks mm-hmm. where where it's like, uh, this guy shouldn't be here. He's like, he's just a lonely weirdo who has like <laughs> yeah. a carrot whistle. Uh-huh. And then he starts playing it and it's like, oh, The okay. song, yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a song. Yeah. And, and then but it's like, like bits. Spotify. They're, they're bits. They're yeah. hilarious. They're great. <laughs> I wish I wish artists did more. I wish artists, I mean, we have creative minds. Mm-hmm. Use that to all every every advantage because right. mm-hmm. i know you're envision you can envision what you want like a music video or like even yeah. you can imagine a bit from a song uh even you know just listening to the lyrics and just uh i mean there's so much you can do there's yeah. literally there's literally so much you can do yeah, there is so much <laughs> you can mm-hmm. just write a, a small acoustic version or you can just do a little bit bit of a bit have it over another video you can yeah. do you can do so many things and especially with like songs that you don't maybe think are marketable i don't know do you know ready turnstone at all mm-hmm. i'm gonna rain on ready turnstone yeah I, I like his songs. no so yeah i do i've been to this dungeon before right have you heard that song of his no i haven't it's so good yeah and the chorus is oh i've been to this dungeon before oh it's been a long time but i've been to this dungeon before mm-hmm. imagine how many scenarios that <laughs> lyric could apply yeah. to yeah a lot a lot a lot that could be a sound on tiktok just like that mm-hmm. right if they just used it, if they just, mm-hmm. uh, this is, I'm gonna hop on Ruddy's Ruddy's uh, case because I I believe that song is going places and it ha- has already gone places. Right. But I'm like, use the mediums to your advantage. Right. There's not only just Spotify, but you can also you can make a, a chunk of change on Instagram and TikTok. No, you can, you and I I think right. what happens, and I mean this is even for me, like I you know I'm on TikTok TikTok, I try to use it, whatever, but. I think what happens is you pour so much energy into your music, whether that's like a single EP album or whatever, and then you're finally there where you're like, okay, I'm going to release this. And then you release it, and now the music industry is like, okay, now make a video. Now make a TikTok. Now think of things and post your TikToks, you know, at 12 p.m. every three days and continue. And you're like, wait, like I just spent all this time on this music, and it's out like – can't people just listen to it? And I, you know, I feel that way sometimes, but then I also realize, like, that's just not that's the marketing. age we live. It just, yeah, just that just doesn't exist. Like, no. it just, it just doesn't. <laughs> like, if you want to get out there, this is just right now, like, the way to do it. <laughs> and yeah. it just kind of is what it is. And the only way you're going to get your music heard is by grinding it out. Yeah. And that's, unfortunately, the world we live in. But... It gives you so much more room to be more creative because I, I know some people like find that to be work, but I know other people that that don't even know about it, but that would love to do that. Right. Exa- yes, right? So exactly. It, and, and it all depends on the person. The mindset and kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And which, by the way, just want to say for anybody listening that goes either way, like either way is fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's totally is, okay. There is no right way to do it yeah. because you have your own mission behind and you you decide for yourself what success, what success means. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... If you're looking to get your stuff out there, there is a pretty good way to do that. Yeah. And it is by, uh, and not only not only do you, uh, you can incorporate that uh, addition, like TikToks, Instagrams, whatever, as you're writing the song as well. You can yeah. keep thinking of these, sure. of these nuggets of, of bits or of ideas, of ideas mm-hmm. and have that track along with your music. So by the end of it, when you're ready to release, you maybe already have all that footage. Exactly. And you can just schedule it. And, and even with older songs, like I have a few friends, they, you know, songs have been out for a couple of years that blew up because they went and took those same systems and used them. Um, something that I, I think was su- is super helpful to me even now um, is I was, um, I had to read a book in school um, and I can't remember the title of it, but the author was Ari Herstand. Do you know who that is? He's like, 
a huge music industry professional. And he really just, his success comes from teaching people how to be independent in the music industry. Mm. And he is so knowledgeable. He has books, podcasts, everything. And I would encourage people to just really go and look for that knowledge because it is super useful. And these are actual people, successful people in the industry that have used these tactics that are then, you know, sharing them with us. And that's what I say. We're also talking about TikTok, Instagram, all of all of these are also search engines yeah. that you can use yeah. to figure it out as well. Right. It's not like you have to, I mean, granted, paying a course would probably do a lot for you. Yeah. But I know uh, people are skeptical about that. Times are tough. There are so many videos on YouTube and TikTok that can help you along with this process as well. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. I like, I forget what I needed the other day. I was doing something on Logic, which is another endeavor that I'm, you know, slowly learning. I want to know how to make at least a decent demo. Right now, that's the goal. Um, but I was trying to find something on there just to how to do something. And I immediately was – I, like, tried to call my friend to ask them, but they weren't available. And I just ended up looking it up on YouTube. And I honestly thought, like, oh, I'm just going to swarm through these videos and the answer's not going to be on there. But it's so funny. Even the way I typed in the question, it was, like, a video for exactly what I needed, you know? Right. Um, and I know it sounds, like, super basic and mundane, like, look it up on YouTube. But, like, actually look it up on YouTube. Like, like, like literally it's Google there. it. It's, yeah. It's literally there. It's there. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it, but it's there. Yeah. Like, if you've had the question and many people – I've also had the question. <laughs> so so we're kind of running out of time. Where can people find you at? Yeah, so you can find me on um, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. There's like my main. Um, they're all on email music, and you can find me on any streaming platform. Um, yeah. <laughs> don't you have a website, animemusic.com? I don't. I have a link tree. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. <laughs> Well, be sure to check her out there. I have her link tree. I do believe I have I, I have a few things of yours linked in the, in yeah, the description below. Yeah, there's a couple below. links on there. Just wanted to apologize for the, the mishap in the beginning, but hey, things happen. Rolling with the punches. Rolling with the punches. We do it live here. And that's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but all of that will be up, uploaded at some point later this week. So uh, we'll get you on that. Uh, with all that said, my name is Corey Rose, and this is The Story Podcast. And you can find all of my stuff, my music, productions, everything that I do at CoreyRosenProductions.com. That is C-O-R-Y-R-O-S-E-N Productions.com. We have a really heavy week uh, this week of podcasts, which I'm really excited to show. We have Debo coming on tomorrow. He is a wonderful... Do you know about Debo? No. You know, uh, I was going to say, you would probably like him. Uh, he's an all-in-one music- musician, composer, producer, uh Everything he does, everything to his music, it mixes, mastering, everything. Uh, yeah. one man shell. Um, and he's a funk dude, he's he just won CPMA awards, uh, recently. Okay, incredible dude, and an incredible community worker as well. So, we're going to check him out. Uh, then, then Tuesday, we have the Jess Zimmerman band coming back on after they just recorded their new album over in Nashville. Yes. They had their whole thing in Florida. Really excited to get back into the weeds with Jess and see what she's been up to. And then, and you'll also be able to hear some sneak peeks from her new album coming Ooh, out too. So, okay. So be yeah. sure to tune in for that for there. And I'll make sure that we're not muted. <laughs> <laughs> then Learning when, from our mistakes. Right. Okay. Right. Of course, well, that's how you learn is by making <laughs> mistakes. And now I'll forever be able to uh, checking if we're muted or not. Uh, Wednesday, we have Matt Friedman. He's a really popular country guy from the Reading area. I'm super excited to talk to him and his journey. He's he's the, done the uh, rounds in the country circuit, and I'm really excited to learn what, what all of that is like. And this Thursday, we have Sean Murphy, Mr. Motivation. He is a, a rapper and an artist. You know Sir Dominic Jordan, surely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's kind of in that similar vein where he goes to, to urban school centers and Helps the students there get over, you know, poverty, yeah. uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, issues that they that they have in the urban centers. So I'm really excited to talk to him and get his perspective within that kind of scene. And then next Sunday, we have two podcasts. We have Darker with Daniel, um, which is another podcast, podcast around here that is... One of the also the that guy runs the CPMA podcast 
the Central Pennsylvania Music Podcast. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to talk to them, cross pollinate with them. Uh, they were great guys that I got to meet at the CPMAs, and really excited to talk to them. And then we have Aaron Pearson, who is uh, who runs Anchor Anchor Anchor's End. Yes, Anchor's End. It's a it's a acoustic metal band, Ooh. which. You, well, you you think it's hard to yeah. do acoustically yeah. with an acoustic I'm interested guitar. interested to see what that sounds like. So I, yeah, I'm very interested to see what that sounds like as well. So that'll all be posted on social medias. You can find me at com if you'd like. And with all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. And we will see you guys later. Bye. Bye.